We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. Uh, kids and or adults, if you want, there are some coloring sheet and clipboards and colored pencils and all that stuff over there. Uh, there's a little guide on there if you want to follow along with what the message is today. But we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 3 with this word that says, therefore. And just a little trick, whenever you see that in scripture, or really anything when you're reading, uh, you ask this question, what is it there for? And that helps you go, oh, this isn't the beginning of a thought, right? It's, it's there for a reason. It's, it's picking up where something left off before. So right before that, in the end of chapter two, uh, the author of Hebrews was saying something. And then he gets to this part and says, therefore, and what that means is because of this, let me now say that. Okay, and so just to kind of let us know the context, to remind us, what we had just read the week before in chapter two is about Jesus making himself a human. The creator of all things, the God of the universe, making himself a human to come down and to be with us. And not only to be with us, but to restore our humanity, to make us whole again, and to help us to live the way that we were intended to live as men and women and children, as humans made in the image of God. And that in that human body, he suffered on our behalf, but he also rose again. Therefore, picking up in chapter three, because of all that good stuff, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, consider Jesus, the apostle and high priest of our confession, he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was in all God's household. For Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as the builder has more honor than the house. Now every house is built by someone, but the one who built everything is God. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's household, as a testimony to what would be said in the future, but Christ, that's Jesus, was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, when your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked to anger, this is God speaking, with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my anger, they will not enter my rest. And so the author of Hebrews picks back up now and says, watch out brothers and sisters so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage each other daily while it is still called today so that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end, the reality that we had at the start. As it is said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who heard and rebelled? Wasn't it all who came out of Egypt under Moses, with whom God was angry for for 40 years? Wasn't it with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? 
And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. This is God's word. Father, we ask that you would help us to hear and understand and receive and be transformed by your words spoken to us today, that your Holy Spirit would be at work in your people. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, that was a long chapter, I know, but don't worry. We are about to uh, get into some really fun debate right here, okay? This is probably going to make a few people in here mad, but there is an ongoing debate in our world right now about who the GOAT of the NBA is. It's already weighing in, already weighing in. All right, GOAT, what does that mean? Am I talking about animals, you guys? What's it mean? Greatest of all time, right? Who is the greatest of all time? Now, who do you say are the two top contenders in this battle? Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Who else? Steve Nash. <laughs> Why did I laugh so hard at that? I don't know. Chad. Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Any other, want to throw any other names in the hat there? Yeah. All right, we are not going to settle this debate today, you guys. And I am not going to weigh in on it because I want to still be friends with all of you. So, but, but there are many names who have been thrown into that, that uh, hat right there, into that ring for this battle of who is the greatest of all time. Lately, there's been some conversations around the two that Chad mentioned, around Michael Jordan and LeBron James. And I know, I know we all have opinions on this, right? Or maybe some of you are like, I don't even know who those people are. I have no opinion. Why are we talking about this? But what's fascinating to me is some words that have been said by a man who is very well acquainted with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. Anybody remember 90s basketball? The Bulls? All right, now, you have to admit, like, that was a powerhouse team right there, right? Now, Scottie Pippen recently has been getting some uh, attention because he stated that he believes there is no greatest of all time in basketball. It's a team sport. But if there were, he kind of, in so many words, gave it to LeBron James over his former teammate, Michael Jordan. Those are fighting words right there, right? Um, Now, LeBron has famously, throughout the years, had no problem saying that he himself is the greatest of all time in his mind. Whereas Michael Jordan has refused to say that and said, I, no, nobody could even say that. How can he even qualify that? That right there makes me make up my mind, but it doesn't matter. Uh, humility is not really in question as one of the stats, right? So uh, what's interesting is Scottie Pippen throughout the years, though, has flopped on this. So several years ago, he was like, People ask me all the time, who's the GOAT? Is it Michael? Is it LeBron? And I always try to be kind, but really, like, you should never compare anyone to Michael. So that was his original statement. Then he said, nobody is the GOAT, and now he's saying LeBron. So I think the guy is just like, he's trying to find himself still. He's a little confused. That's okay. Now, you can have this argument around two human beings playing a game on a basketball court, but 
the author of Hebrews introduces this chapter here with two very distinct people that there really is no question about. And when we read this, when he's comparing first in those first six verses, Moses with Jesus, pretty much, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a safe bet here, everyone in this room knows who the greatest is, right? It's Jesus. Say Jesus. Like, that one should be a no-brainer. We should have no problem answering that question. And we're probably wondering, why in the world did that even have to be stated? Like, of course Jesus is greater than Moses. Of course Jesus is better than Moses was. Moses did some cool stuff, but he did it through the power of God, and he was a man, and he eventually died. Jesus, yes, was a man, but also God, who came in the form of man. And yes, he died, but then what did he do? He beat death. Moses couldn't do that, right? Jesus is the one who created all things. Moses couldn't do that. So there's no contest here, but I I want us to understand the context of who this person is speaking to when they write this. Because for us now, we're like, yeah, of course, no question, Jesus is better. Why do we have to have this conversation? But back then, how Moses would have been seen would have been like the epitome of being a human who partnered with God. And that's what humanity was created for. Humans were made in the image of God to partner with God to carry out God's work and will in his world. And pretty much every human had failed at this, right? Including Moses, but Moses was at least this picture of somebody who did that as best as anyone had ever done it before. And not only that, but Moses was someone who rescued their whole entire people, all their ancestors, out of slavery from Egypt. I used to watch this show called Rugrats, dating myself again here, 90s NBA and Rugrats, right? Do you guys know Rugrats, kids? It's a great show still. It's a great show. I I encourage you to check it out. But I remember watching when I was a kid one time a Rugrats episode, and they had a whole episode on the Passover meal, on the Seder dinner. And they were retelling the story of Moses. And I was like, at first when this started, I was like, oh, wow, like what's, my only context was I was like, oh, is this like a Christian show? Like do Christians make this show? Like they're talking about the Bible, you know, this is pretty cool. And as it went on, they kept elevating Moses and how Moses was this hero, this savior of their people. And there was actually no language at all about what God had done for them, but what Moses had done. And of course, they never got to Jesus. So I was like, oh, no, no, no. I learned later Hollywood, like, this is not a a Christian show. (laughs) Uh, But the creators were most likely of the Jewish faith. And so that's where all that came from. And that's a modern day context of Jewish believers. So you go way back to when this was written, And a lot of these people just heard about Jesus. And they just started to learn how to follow him if they believed that message at all. And remember who he's writing this to. A lot of these people are being tempted to go, well, you know what, maybe we shouldn't follow Jesus because we're being being oppressed. We're being ridiculed. We're being thrown into prison. Some people are being killed for it. 
And so what if we just go back to following the law and the ways of God through the scriptures given to us? Who were a lot of those scriptures given to them by? Do you know who wrote the first five books of your Bible? Moses did, right? So in fact, when, when you're comparing Moses with Jesus, you're not even just comparing the man, Moses, with the King Jesus, but Moses was synonymous. That means it went hand in hand with the entire law of God in their day. When, when you heard Moses, you thought of the law. What did Moses do after they came out of Egypt? He went up the mountain and he met with God face to face. And God gave him the law to bring down to the people, right? And so Moses comes down with these tablets of stone that have etched in them God's law. This is how you now live. You used to live under Pharaoh's rule and reign in Egypt as slaves. You don't know how to be a new people. Let me show you how to live under my rule and reign. That's what the law was from God. And so Moses brings that down. Now, Unfortunately, what happens is Moses finds all of them worshiping a false idol now, right? They, they melted all their gold that they got from Egypt and they turned it into this cow statue and they were worshiping it, which sounds really weird to us again, but they were worshiping a false God that came out of Egypt. The same temptation the crowd that the author of Hebrews is writing about has. Hey, t- turn away from what God has just done for you and rescuing you and go back to worshiping the old ways. And so they were afraid, like Moses is gone. This is the guy that brought us out of Egypt. What do we do now? We don't even know when he's coming back, if he's coming back. And so they start making sacrifices and worship to the gods of their captors, the Egyptians. Maybe they'll help us. And Moses sees this, he gets so mad and he throws down those stone tablets. Think about the imagery of that. Literally breaking the law because that's what the people were doing. They were already breaking the law. But in God's grace, he, he doesn't give up on his people. And so Moses ends up going and getting the law again and bringing it back down. And so for centuries, for centuries, people had this way of living from God that Moses brought to them because he partnered with God in that. So Moses was this big deal for their culture. As a man, yes, partnering with God, but also as what he represented, what God had done for his people by rescuing them out of slavery, what God had done for his people by showing them this is how you live in the best way possible, what God had done for his people by guiding and directing them all throughout the wilderness and into the promised land, into being a nation with a king and beyond that. And now you have the author of Hebrews saying, all of that was really, really good. He's not saying it wasn't good. He's not saying disregard all that. Tear out the the first half of your Bible. You don't need those pages anymore. That's not what he's saying. He's saying all of that was incredible. And now we have seen one who is even greater than Moses. And not just greater as a human, but greater for everything he represents and brings and shows and helps us to become too. Greater because he is the fullness of God himself who made all things and all that power is there in a human body now. Talk about human partnership with God. 
Jesus did it better than Moses even. But not only that, what the author goes on to say is like, now you can do it better than Moses did it. Because now you, because of this Jesus and the power of his spirit within us, you too have the ability now to partner with God more fully because of the spirit of God at work in you. And so we don't just get rid of what happened with Moses. We go, oh, that was pointing forward to something better. Kids, the first week that we talked about Hebrews with the adults in here, I talked about Mexican food, which Huntington can agree is, is a blessing and it's a glorious thing. Tacos, right? Uh, but what I talked about is this isn't, this isn't like going to a Mexican restaurant and going like, oh, you know what? I found a better restaurant than this. Let's ditch that one. We're, we're going to abandon that. We're never going back there again. We're going to go to this better restaurant, right? That would be like saying, oh, we don't need the Old Testament and what happened back then. Just get rid of it. And we only are going to read what happens with Jesus now. Instead, it's more like you go to a Mexican restaurant and you're like, man, these chips and salsa are incredible. It's so good. And you go, yeah, yeah, just wait. It's going to get better. When that carnitas comes out, woo, it gets even better. And so it's a foretaste. It's, it's a preview. It's pointing you toward. It's the appetizer. You don't get rid of it and dismiss it. You need it because it's showing you what is to come in the fullness so Jesus comes and he doesn't undo everything that was done back then. He makes it full and better. Now, to be perfectly clear, the author really wants you to know that Jesus is better than Moses in this way, but not disregarding Moses. He says this, he uses an analogy of a house and a builder, right? So at the very beginning, it says this, uh, in verse 2, that Moses was faithful to the one who appointed him. That's God, right? He was in all of God's household. He was faithful. Verse three, Jesus is considered worthy of more glory than Moses, just as a builder has more honor than the house. You see what he just did there? Like when you go into a house and it's really beautiful and it's well-constructed, I know a lot of people don't go in there and go, man, this has good bones, right? Like, like, you're like, oh, look at these baseboards. They're well intact. Like, nobody really does that, except for maybe contractors in here. I don't know. Uh, but if you go and you see this really beautiful home, and you comment on that, like, oh, this is gorgeous. I like this home. But think about, like, the decorations. You aren't going to, like, the decorations going, like, good job, decorations. You really put yourself there well. No, you, you compliment the owner of the home. You go, I like what you did with the place, right? And if you do notice the construction and it's good workmanship, you don't go, man, those two-by-fours, they really knew what they were doing. You think about whoever put this together was a skilled craftsman, right? The person who built it gets more honor than the building itself. And what the author just said is Moses, he equates him with being the household. Now, skip down with me in verse 6. Christ was faithful as a son over his household, and we are that household. You're on the same level with Moses. Who's the goat? It's not Moses, it's not you, but it is Jesus, right? Actually, he's the lamb, but that's another analogy. Okay. So Moses, he said, is the house. You and I are the house. We get to share in the same the same access to God that Moses had when he went up on the mountain 
and he met with him face to face and he received his word. We get to share in the same honor and the same glory if we are faithful as Moses was. He says, Moses, us, we're like servants in the household, but Jesus, he's the son. And remember, we talked about this too the first week in Hebrews is saying the son in our context means like, oh, it's someone who has to listen and obey their parents. And and we think that they're under the parents. But in that culture, the son would have had the same full authority over a household as the father. And so what he's saying is the son, Jesus, has full authority over this household, which is you and I. We get to share in the same glory that Moses experienced. And get this, this goes even further. We get to also, as we pass through death and suffering as Jesus did, we get to then enter into and share in the same glory as Jesus himself. Because he is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. Because he welcomes us into that glory with him. Now, In Hebrews, and this is the last thing we're going to share here. In Hebrews, there's a couple moments that are kind of, that cause some tension for people. Because it introduces what's called a conditional statement. Like, this is all true if. And a lot of times throughout the years, people have heard that, read that in Hebrews, and they've gotten confused and thought like, oh, so like there's a, if, if you don't live right, you don't get to be a part of this. If you don't obey all the right rules, you don't get this glory. You don't get this life. You don't get this salvation, right? But I want us to look closely at this conditional if statement right here. Verse six, we are that household if, what? We follow all the right rules. If we vote the right way. If we listen to our mom and dad. If we don't get detentions at school. No, none of that. If we hold on to our confidence in the hope in which we boast. Go all the way down to the end of the chapter now, that last verse, it says this. When it's talking about the people who didn't listen to Moses' words when he got them from God, and he's going like, how much more now do you need to listen to Jesus' words? And the problem that happened with those who didn't listen to Moses' words, he said this. We see that they were unable to enter. He's talking about entering into the promised land, this beautiful land God promised to them. They were unable to enter because of what? Close. Unbelief. We hear sin. You guys are right, by the way. But when usually we hear that word sin, we think of doing bad things, don't we? And what is the Bible telling us right here? The only thing that will separate you from this eternal glory that Jesus is inviting you into, the only thing that separated the Israelites from leaving the wilderness and going into the promised land is our unbelief. Now, does that mean you can never question or doubt? No, that's not what that means. What did the people do at the bottom of that mountain? They turned away from trusting in God, Yahweh, to come and rescue them, and they turn toward worshiping the gods of Egypt, thinking that this is what's going to help us. This is what will save us. This is what will bring us into the land. So when we turn away from the Jesus who has rescued us, not just out of slavery to Egypt, but out of slavery to sin, 
not just out of the wilderness, but out of death itself and has brought us into life. When we turn away from trusting in that Jesus and we start saying, maybe this way that the world offers will actually bring us life. That is unbelief. If you have a, a question sometimes of like, man, I don't, God, are you really there? You guys, the book of Psalms is full of that. And God's okay with that. He can handle that. I have those questions too sometimes. All of us do. If we have those questions sometimes, those, those small doubts that creep in, and yet we turn to and fix our eyes on Jesus with those questions. That's not, that's not the kind of unbelief that this is talking about. But when we completely turn away from Jesus and we go, maybe there's a better way to live that will bring fuller life. What we are doing is we are choosing to walk away from the rescue, the salvation, the freedom that Jesus brings us. Moses brought them out of the wilderness. Jesus brings you out of death. Moses brought the law and the tablets. Jesus is the word of God himself in the flesh. And if there was a discipline or a punishment for not listening to God's word through Moses, he's saying how much more if we turn away from Jesus now in his words. And so my plea for all of us, for myself even, is that we would turn and fix our eyes on Jesus, that we would hear his words, that we would not harden our hearts as they did back in the day. But instead we would say, Jesus, I, I, I don't understand everything. I don't know it all. Sometimes I question, but would you show me how to live more fully? And listen, we need one another for that. There's, there's a verse in here that says this, as long as it's called today, verse 13, encourage each other daily while it is still called today. Do you know today never stops? Because when tomorrow comes, what do we call it then? Today, that's what he's saying. Always, every moment, every day, we need to be encouraging one another to fix our eyes on Jesus, to not harden our hearts to what he says and to allow him to transform us to look more and more human so we can actually share in the glory of the one who is the greatest of all time and gets all glory, which is pretty incredible. Would you guys pray with me?